Hello friends and welcome to episode number 152 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, it's been a week since we recorded and lots has happened in the world of baseball. We're excited to be back. I'm Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin Anderson, way out in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Justin, how was your weekend? Yeah, weekend's good, buddy. Um, did, uh, did a round of golf with some coworkers after work on Friday, then... Uh, my girlfriend and I sat through a uh, local production of Macbeth that was really well done this afternoon. So it was a nice eventful little summer weekend. How about yourself? A pretty relaxing weekend. Uh, I worked my first Friday in four months. Uh, the humanity. Uh, this past Friday. Yeah. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> no, I, I ran dry on vacation days <laughs> I was willing to burn yeah. during the summer. Um, I mean... It happens. I still have vacation days, but I want to carry some over to next year uh, so I can possibly go to Toronto and watch the Blue Jays lose 2-1 to one in 10 innings against the <laughs> Detroit Tigers or something like that. But, you know, um, other than that, I watched that animated Witcher movie with uh, with Sarah. And uh, we last night uh, with my sister, we watched The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, so you know, just having fun watching movies and stuff. How was the uh, How was the Witcher movie? Um, as an animated movie, I'm, it's hard to kind of immerse yourself the same way you can with like the live action stuff. Yeah, but um, it was a good story. It's, it's worth if you like The Witcher, you'll like that movie. I'm in the midst of reading the reading the, the novels right now, so. Oh okay. Yeah, I'm uh, part way through. Um, the time of contempt right now so yeah that's not the first one is it it'd be the second one chronologically uh but i've read a couple of like the short story outside yeah. of the main series books or something it's like the fourth book i'm reading but it's like the second in the actual like chronological timeline yeah yeah i, I really like the show because it did give us this very cool premise of three different timelines converging into one yeah uh, at the end, I'm really excited to see what season two is going to be like. Uh, obviously, the game, is that out in the game December? Are... Yeah, you're, yes, it is. Um, there's all kinds of good TV coming through Netflix right now. Not that I'm a shill for them, but uh, <laughs> because there's a ton of crap on Netflix too. But oh, before you know... we uh, before we get off the topic of of TVs and stuff, uh, we I got tickets for uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and IMAX next Friday. Pretty pumped. Oh, nice. Yeah. I will be watching that one at home when it's time, when the thing, uh, when it hits Disney Plus. So I guess I got to wait, what is it, 30 days or something like that? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> I just my, don't want to uh, go to a movie theater. I'd rather watch it at home. Yeah, I'll my sister's the, like... coming through the city, so we're going to go see it next weekend. Nice. That'll be good. Um, yeah. Big fan of Simu Lu. Is that how you pronounce his name? I apologize. I believe so, Leo? but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, I like him, and I think Aquafina is 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 fine. Um, her, it's, it's, I don't think her her comedy doesn't speak to me, but uh, I really liked her in Ryan the Last Dragon. She it, did one of the voices. Yeah, it's gonna be a very different style of Marvel movie. Obviously, going outside of like new york based events <laughs> yep so. that's kind of cool um yeah, but then also fun. did you see the trailer for spider-man no i have not i'm actually kind of avoiding those i want to kind of go in just with a, a fresh mind i'll say i'll say this you're doing the right thing by avoiding it because it really i find more and more that trailers to movies give away the whole farm yeah before you even sit your ass down and it's like teasers shouldn't be two minutes they should be like 30 seconds i'm it going to dry like a, <laughs> yeah it just should be like well okay don't be gross but like you know go in like we should go in with like go come see shang chi and then give us like a 30 second like stinger about how this is like this thing you're you, you know this ain't your older brother's marvel this is <laughs> this is kung fu yeah uh you know callbacks to like bruce lee and and jackie chan and stuff like that like they i don't know if that's what the movie's supposed to be like but i, I that was the vibes i get and having read a lot about the character in the past, Shang Chi is kind of he's kind of an analog for those guys, isn't he? Yeah, I would Master say so. of the Martial Arts is his tagline in the comics. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm excited for it too, buddy. But um, I'm excited to talk baseball. It's been a week since we did an episode. Uh, if you like the funnies that we make, uh, check us out at BFMD Podcast on Twitter. Check us out on the usual podcast channels. Uh, I'm not going to read them because you know where they are. Um, yeah, check out BFMDPodcast.com too. Drop us a question. Uh, we always like getting fan questions. And as you as as usual, <laughs> take thanks for taking the time uh, to listen to this episode. You remember that that little bl- uh, blub that Ant Man makes in Civil War? He says, "Thanks for thinking of me," or no, he says, "Thanks for thanking of me." That's what I feel like right yeah. now. I'm like bobbling the, our our lead off here, but uh, let's just get into it, Justin. Um, normally, I like to throw throw you know the 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 wheel to you to drive the bus, but I kind of I'm going to throw you a curveball here at the start. Ooh. Um, I have trouble with the curve. Yeah, I know. Well, you're not the only one. <laughs> you know, we'll get into it a little bit later as far as the averages go on this team. But uh, looking at our refresher of the standings, uh, the Jays sit at 68 and 61, which is not really that bad. It's nice for the team to be above 500. Again, it's been a few seasons. Uh, but we are 13 and a half back of Tampa. I would say that the story, uh, or the, we can close the book on catching Tampa for the division title. We're six games back as of this moment of Boston for that second wild card spot. Uh, there's, you know, they're looking like they might have a, a shot at winning against Cleveland here on a Sunday. Um, do you have any immediate thoughts to the standings and the way they look? I mean, it really sucks for the Yankees to be on fire the way they are, but is is your hope – have you peed on the last little, like, kindling of hope that you, you once had? Like, is it out? Like, the, the realist in me knows that the team is not going to make the playoffs, but the eternal optimist and there's always a chance – in me says that there's always a chance. So um, I'm not ready to give up yet. I know it's a six game disadvantage in terms of the, the wild card. Um, and it's going to take some ground. It's going to take some work to make that up. We don't play Boston again. So we need a lot of help from other teams who are going to be playing against them. Or we need the Yankees to stop winning, and they've they're what they're thirteen and one in their last fourteen games. So it's like, yep, they've got to they got to do some some losing, and we'll talk about it. We've got some games against them still, but we don't we don't play the Mariners. We don't play we don't play we don't play Boston. We play the Yankees and we play Oakland a little bit, but we need uh we need the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees to start losing some baseball games at some point here. Yep. Uh, what. Yeah. We'll we'll go over uh, what our our schedule looks like here in mm-hmm. a moment. For now, though, let's just start off with some of the things for us to consider as we continue to overanalyze <laughs> and beat to death the storyline of the Toronto Blue Jays in 2021. So since August the 9th, which was 20 days ago, we played 21 games, uh, and the team has gone 9-12 and 12 since then. They've seen their playoff probabilities go from 50-50 to less than 5% in that time as they've lost yeah. pace with all the teams above them. So Yankees, Boston, Oakland, uh, maybe to a lesser extent Seattle. Um, you know, those teams, you know, were able to squeeze more wins in that same time period. Obviously the Yankees are uh, are on fire right now looking like they're going to be very tough to knock out of a wild card spot at this point. Um, do you think, do you think it's fair to say that Seattle and Oakland are kind of like our top, like we have to pass them before we can even start talking about wild card? Like, are we so far back? We really, we, we've, we've got to find a way to outwin these other teams like now like is this the time for us to strike now that seattle and oakland are struggling well i mean that's that's how standings work right you gotta pass teams that are ahead of you (laughs) yeah it's it's frustrating because a lot of it's 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 out of our hands right i mean like you said we only have three games left against oakland none against against boston seven against the yankees none against seattle 
uh, and six against Tampa. So our fate is very much so out of our hands uh, in a lot of ways. Even if we beat the Yankees, all seven of the remaining games, they would still hold uh, a one-game lead over us in the wild card if both teams won an equal amount of games for the remainder of the year. So that's a pretty significant statement. But maybe that's not the right way to look at it. But maybe we should talk about why the team has gone 9 and 12 first and maybe address some of the problems we've experienced and what things will look like going forward. Yeah. So, Justin, obviously the number one problem that we have seen is runners in scoring position. They've hit, like, a grand total of, like, three for $150 million <laughs> in their last uh, 15 or 16 games, whatever it, it is. It's honestly laughable at this point. It's Yeah, it's, like... it's easily the worst. In, yeah. in MLB in that time period, it's a shocking the team hasn't lost more games. I didn't look um, at it, but I wonder how many of those at-bats ended via strikeout. Probably all of them. <laughs> um, but we're seeing players like Randall Grichik hit 169 in the last 30 days. Uh, Reese McGuire has uh, seen his average plummet. He's hitting 229 in the last 30 games. The recently injured Santiago Espinal is hitting 230. Phoebe hitting just 240. Marcus Simeon 243. I mean, even Vladdy's only hitting 250 in the last 30 days or so. We've all seen their averages drop anywhere between 40 and 70 points on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we say? Like, what is there to say? What do you see as the problem? Well, I think Dante Bichette's little quote the other day I said it pretty well, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I just think it's a, it's a matter of the team was kind of on that high note, right? And then George Springer goes down, and that's a pretty big like gut punch. The The morale in the dressing room couldn't have been super high at that point. Obviously, we, yeah. we have, we'll talk about Springer in a moment. He looks like he should be back as early as tomorrow, possibly. But it just seems like the team kind of all took that collective punch in the gut and it just it just killed any momentum that they had, right? Like they were rolling high after that series in in Toronto. They go to LA, they go to Seattle, and they just come out of that road trip just kind of like lame duck, just dead in the water. And the Springer injury was probably a, a big reason for that. Yep, I would agree. Um, it's it's interesting, and I'll get you to to, to read out the mm-hmm. quote a little bit uh, from from Dante. In a minute, but it's kind of interesting when you when we look back on this season uh, in about a month, uh, a month and two days, I think, is when we'll probably be toast. Yeah. Um, you know, there will be a lot to be discussed when it comes to momentum and and just how significant not having George Springer for two thirds of the season was on this team. Yeah, big time. Um, but you, I don't know if it's fair to put everything on just one man. Um, no, it's not. You know, for, for all the positives that he brings to us, uh, you know, Tyler Chatwood and uh, others uh, brought an equal amount of negative when they struggled. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I want Springer back because we just can't we can't wheel out the same outfield that we're wheeling out right now. It's just like they're with with Randall Gritchick struggling so much. I think Guriel is hitting double what Gritchick's average is in the last thirty games. It's like he's hitting like three ten, three twenty, something like that. It's just it's absurd. Uh, Gritchick's really struggling at the plate. He's swinging at everything low and away. Like he just he's not giving up. And their brains are. Or maybe a little little scrambled, <laughs> trying to do too much. What yeah, do you think? I, I think that you are absolutely right there. Um, let's talk a bit about Dante Bichette here too, because uh, it was revealed earlier this week that he's he's with the team right now on this road trip. He's going to go back to Miami for a little bit here, and then he's going to rejoin the Jays uh, in September for the rest of the season. So it'll be nice to see him around. But uh, Bichette's been watching the team through the recent tough stretch. And he said he's got an idea of what's going on wrong. He says not that they're hitting the wall physically. He said these are young kids. They aren't they're not tired. 
Uh, but what will happen is with a young team, they'll ride the roller coaster more than an older player will. They'll ride their highs and they'll really and they'll, they and they'll really friggin' be low with their lows. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of fries the brain a little bit. When you fry the brain in this game, it catches up with you late in the season. So it's just the fact that yeah, like they were up so 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 high coming back to Toronto. And then when Springer goes down and with that injury in Seattle, it just knocks the wind out of the sails. And it can't be it can't be forgotten. Like this is a team who played every game on the road for nearly two years. Like they didn't have a place to call home. Like they were living in hotel rooms, even when they were like at home in Buffalo and Dunedin. They weren't living in in their condos and their houses. They were living in hotels. A lot of these guys. So the fact that they were basically on the road for two years that's a that's a lot of traveling. That's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of packing up every time you got to go somewhere and leaving nothing behind. Like it's, it's tough. I mean, it's mentally draining. I know it just is like, even when you go on, say you go on a long vacation and you're not just staying at like a resort or something, you've got to go through multiple hotels on a road trip. Even it's, it's mentally drained to have to pack everything up all the time. Like, and we're not having to go out there and play baseball for three hours plus all the the pregame and postgame stuff it's a it's a grind so I, I think it's just the fact that this team has gone through so much this year alone and not, not to mention last season and it's just it's just starting to catch up with them in my opinion i mean i may i don't know if it's it's because of the, the broadcast specifically but it sure does seem like the team is smiling and joking around an awful lot less than the uh, in the dugout the last two weeks or so, I think it's really starting to catch up with them and it's getting in their head to the point where they do have the yips at the plate. But Grichik's not a rookie. Uh, Samin's not a rookie. They know the grind. Uh, maybe Bichette, Espinal, and McGuire, we can cut them some slack because they don't really have a full season under their belt the same yeah. way that these other guys do. But still, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to cut uh, the, the road stuff I agree with you completely I mean it's devastating to mm-hmm. be on the road non-stop and not to have a home base and and being and if we're being honest Buffalo great city great uh great stadium oh, yeah. great fans uh it sucks to have 50 percent of your your fans in the stands not cheering you uh it's hard uh and actually the, I think they're 10 and 7 in the month of August in uh, in Toronto. So, I mean, that says a lot as far as this team treading water. They're doing it at home because they do have, you know, one of the uh, the, the advantages of playing at home is you have the home field advantage, and, and it's kind of nice to see, like, they're still getting up for the fans. So, man, when they go on the road, it's just, it's tough. It's hard on them. Yeah, totally. Um, um, <laughs> I, think, I think we really got to address the elephant in the room, though, in that, Another one of the main factors we're seeing. We've talked about it so many times. Justin. Every episode. Just, it's been since just, May. <laughs> just bullpen. give it to me straight. How bad is it? <laughs> the bullpen's bad, Patrick Marsh. Um, we know we know Brad Hand, uh, who's on the bereavement list. His grandfather passed away. So our, our thoughts to the to the family there. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. He hasn't been he hasn't been great. Obviously, the last thirty days, ERA over eight. Taylor Sosato's got an ERA of almost nine and a half. Uh, Ryan Barucki got demoted for poor performance. And even our ace, Tanjin Ryu, has pitched to a six and a half ERA over the past few uh, past stretch here. And that included like a seven inning shutout that he pitched two starts ago. So, yeah. Um, the games are difficult to win when you've got your ace pitching like that. It's a good thing that Robbie Ray and Steven Matz and Alec Manoa have been pitching really well. But when your when your ace isn't doing so hot, that makes it tough. And then you've got three uh, relievers, uh, if you include Barecki in that. Brad Hand is supposed to be a high leverage reliever. Taylor Sosato is not, but has been forced into some tough positions just because of bullpen usage and the fact that guys are being ran out there like dogs. Um, it's tough. I, I mean, the bullpen's been bad. We know. We know it's. We know what it is. What it is. Like we we can talk about Nate Pearson being the answer. I don't know if he's gonna fix everything immediately. He's one guy. Sooner or later, you've got to have the guys that you've got improve and perform. Yep, I agree. Um, I think the real part. I think what hurts the most is how much Hanjin Ryu has struggled. 
Yeah. Watching him backslide this season is it kind of scares me because we still have two more years. Obviously, if we re-sign Robbie Ray, Ray is the ace, most likely. I think Ryu, we're starting to see some significant regression, and it's really frustrating because like he gave us everything he had, and and he's had some great starts where he got no run support, uh, and he had to take an L. I mean, it's frustrating to see it. Uh, it was nice, though. Today was uh, great because... Jose Barrios, after having uh, two putrid starts yeah, he really uh, and one back. very mediocre one, had a great bounce back today. He had 11 strikeouts in seven innings or something like that. Yeah, and he even had to go through that minor quote-unquote rain delay from what I saw too. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the boys on on the bump, the starters, have been, even Steven Matz, there's a lot of positives we can take from this. And if Steven Matz really is uh, this consistent, I do think he has more than earned the opportunity to, to have a follow-up here in Toronto next year. Um, with Stripling under control, Ryu under control, Manoa under control, Pearson under control, uh, you know, there's a lot of high hopes that this rotation will probably look pretty close to identical next year, depending on whether or not they can re-sign uh, Robert Ray. But um, what do you think of the rotation in the last 20 games? They've been the bright spot on this team, for sure. Uh, with the yeah. offense struggling and the bullpen being the bullpen, the rotation has been everything we've needed it to be in, and then some. Yeah, they've kept us in games for the most part. There's hope uh, because we've had these guys go out there and they, they pitch – like their lives depend on it and the Jays get them two runs of support. Well, talking about Barrios again, the, the Jays tweeted out 20 minutes ago that he's the seventh pitcher in team history to go seven innings, have 10 Ks, not walk a batter, not give up an earned run at a start. So that just goes to show you how good he was today. And apparently it was, was a small mechanical change that him and Pete Walker made. So he there's did. Pete His Walker delivery. again. Yeah, he stopped, putting the, was... he stopped bringing his hands over his head and just lifted them up a little bit in his windup. Yeah. yeah, it's actually, his windup is actually kind of similar to Ross's, except Ross keeps it low to his uh, low to his belt. Yeah. Uh, or at least lower than Barrios does. And it's yeah. interesting how Pete Walker manages to find these little mechanic issues, and it has such a dramatic impact on performance. Well, one thing that I've noticed just from being around a lot of ball diamonds as an umpire is that you, you, I see a lot of coaches trying to simplify their pitchers' windups because the more the more movement that you have, the more that can go wrong, right? It, you're um, also wasting energy. Exactly. Yeah, that's why Jordan Romano doesn't do his deep squat knee bend anymore because it. He said he was his knees were getting tired from doing that deep squat. But by the time he gets to twenty pitches, his legs are tired. So, why would you? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> yep, I think it's. I mean, it's. It's also like I. I like seeing these veterans or. Or, I'm at well. Brio's still young, but I mean, I guess he's considered a veteran. But seeing guys like Strips, and Brio's and Robbie Ray take the advice from Pete Walker, pitchers can sometimes be stubborn. And this is something that we have heard from the, the, the starters throughout the season, talking about how it can be hard sometimes to change your mechanics. No matter how much you're struggling, uh, you, you're resistant to it. You don't always want to do it because you trust that what you've, been do, what you've done before that's led you up to this moment will continue to work. And it's just not true. It's yeah. a fallacy. Uh, and it's unfortunate that we've seen so many good pitchers over the years, including guys like Tim Lincecum, who were just – phenomenal and then just be out of baseball within two three seasons just because they just <laughs> won't change up their mechanics or the the adjustments are just not there and they just they can't pitch anymore yeah it sucks no totally but, agree with uh, that. let's move on um this is what i'm really interested in talking about today and that right now with the jays being 68 and 61 we have 33 remaining games uh the projection uh, at the beginning of the season, and as recently as this week, was that 92 wins would get you a playoff spot. Right now, it's looking like it's 93, but again, it's going to change within one or two games frequently over the next 
week or so because we're getting down to it. But the Jays would have to go 24 and 9 to hit that 92 win total with the remaining 33 games. It's not impossible, so let's talk about our remaining stock of games, Justin. We'll start right off the bat with uh, the team that we face the most over the remaining 33 games, and that is the Baltimore Orioles. We've got mm-hmm. 10 games against them. If you were honest with yourself, how many of those games do you feel confident that we can take? Just just right off like the, the kind of the tip of your tongue. Like, what's your first inclination? Sure. Well, six of them are at home. Four of them are at Camden Yards. Uh, how many do we need to take or how many will we take? <laughs> both. Give me I would both. say we need to win at least eight or nine of them, Patrick Marsh. And how many do you think we'll get? I would say six. I think we'll play just about 500 ball against Baltimore. <laughs> I know it's hard to say. Um, I agree with you. I, I, I think, honestly, if we can rip all 10 of these, as dubs, and that's asking a lot of that's team. a that's a big if, my friend. Uh, it has a dramatic impact on. Yeah. It takes pressure off of other series. Um, I think you're right. I think realistically, seven wins is probably what we're we're gonna get. Maybe a little bit more ambitious than what your thoughts are, um, but we'll have to see what the matchups are. Uh, the Orioles hit very well against lefties, and they're about to get a, a very healthy dose of lefties in this next three game series. We will preview that at the end of the episode. We've got three games against the Oakland Athletics. They're a team that we are pursuing. They're the only non-wildcard team ahead of us right now that we play the rest of the year uh, because we're all done with Seattle. Um, What are your thoughts? What do we need and what will we get? My God. Um, (laughs) We need (laughs) to win two of those games. And I think we'll get two. Yeah, Depends I on agree. pitching matchups, too. That Oakland's a pretty good pitching team, but I got to believe that we can take two to three. We've got to win series. That's the, that's the name of the game right now. Oakland are three and seven in their last uh, 10 games. Uh, they're on a bit of a backslide. We play them uh, this weekend coming up. So we are uh, five days away, or six days away, I guess, because it'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, from getting a healthy dose of Oakland. And are, is that at home or on the road? Uh, the Oakland you know? series? I think it's at home because we already played them on the road once this year. Well, I think that that's in our favor. Uh, I think you're – I agree with you. We need two, and I think we're going to get two. Uh, that means we only gain one game of ground on them. But, again, the bulk of the work has to be done against these weaker teams. Um, we've got seven games against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, again, what do we need? What are we going to get? Need five, get four. Wow, four and three against the Twins is kind of a death sentence. Um, (laughs) and I don't quite agree because I think the Twins are the worst team other than the Orioles we have to play. And I, I, I think if we have the right matchups, as long as Barrios doesn't pitch against them, because I think they're going to have the book on them, I I could see us getting five off off of the Twins, which already, if you're good at math, means that we're looking at uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six out of our nine losses right there uh, that we can stomach before uh, before we uh, are below that 92 win total. Now let's talk about the remaining six games we have against Tampa. They have had our number for two years now. Uh, They pounded our asses in the playoffs last year. Uh, Pretty much no hope of catching them in the division. Realistically, in these last six games, what do we need and what are we going to (laughs) get? Need four, lucky to get three. Uh, Yeah, a split would be a disastrous uh, result for us. Uh, Realistically, I would agree. I'm thinking, I'm thinking th- three wins is generous. I'm gonna say we we do it. We'll get three of six. And again, if you're doing math at home, we're already out of the playoffs, and we haven't even started talking about the Yankees games. But let's talk about it now. How many do we need, and how many are we gonna get? Need five, get three. Ouch. So. If we do the math on the needs, 
that gets us to 24. Uh, getting three, I actually disagree. I think we uh, we have proven that we are competitive against the Yankees, and I think this team actually pulls off five. Uh, so we need five. We're going to get five. Uh, now, if we look at your projections, that's eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Uh, you think we're going to go 18 and 15 the rest of the way? Probably realistic, maybe conservative. Uh, I have us projected to go, uh, that's 14, 15, 16, 17, 22, and 11, which does not get us into the playoffs with that 92 wins. It gets us to 90 wins uh, in a very comfortable position, sitting in fourth place in the American League East for what feels like the 999th time in my life. <laughs> <sighs> time is just a flat circle, Justin. It sure is. Um, it's possible we could go 24 and nine or better. A lot has to change. Obviously trades aren't going to happen, which means somebody is going to have to overperform. Um, if you had to pick, pick two guys, one pitcher, one hitter, who's going to be the guy to overperform to get us over the hump? Who's it going to be? Uh, overperform. I think it's going to have to be a starting pitcher. I think it's going to be Steven Matz. I'm inclined to agree. His numbers are actually quite good in the last his last ten starts. I believe he's five and five or six and four now. Uh, I haven't checked because he won his most recent game, uh, and the ERA sitting around three and a half, something like that. Yep. We get more starts like that, and uh, the boys can start to get hot at the plate. We need April Stephen Matz for the last month of the season here. Yep, at bare minimum. Uh, I, I think you're right, and he would have been my pick, too. Uh, what hitter is going to do it for us? Who is going to be the guy to make this team turn it around? Man, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., that's who I'm picking. I think that he's been seeing the ball really well. He's actually taken some walks in the past few games, which... You love it. You love to see it. Um, that's the mark The mark of a good hitter for me, is then they can lay off 3-2 pitches rather than swinging at them wildly. I think he's gonna go on a hot streak. He's good. He's good for. A, he's good for one little one little tear a season. It seems like. I think this is gonna be it. Yeah, it's worth noting that he's brought his season average up to two seventy two, which feels mm-hmm. like it would have been unfathomable at the beginning of August. <laughs> but in his last thirty games, Guriel has hit two ninety eight with a three fifty nine OBP, uh, only four forty seven as a slug. Uh, not having a great year with the long ball, but still he's driving in runs uh, in that time period of 30 games, uh, eight walks, 16 strikeouts. Um, that's a very low K rate for him. He had struggled in a number of different points uh, in his very, very young career with strikeouts. Not so much right now. He's probably our hottest hitter. I think you're right, but I think if anybody's going to turn this team around as far as driving in runs, uh, we're going to need more from, from Vladdy. We're going to need him to capture lightning in the bottle here in the stretch. The MVP race is surely over uh, at this point. Yeah, Otani just he, went 40-20 as a hitter, let alone what he's done as a starter. So Yeah, <laughs> and it, what's interesting, though, is I think at some point it was close enough between the two that it was tough to call. And then Vladdy cooled off and lost about 40 points on his batting average. Uh, and I, he might be trying to do too much at the plate. I think really what it comes down to is every single guy who goes up there needs to focus on contact. Yeah, worth noting, Vladi is hitting uh, 317 in the last 15 games uh, and 357 in the last seven. He's 10 for his last 28. Not a lot of extra base hits in there, but uh, he's hitting the ball hard still, and definitely uh, it seems like he's turning it back around because he was his, his last 30 games is only hitting 267, so he is he is hitting back up again. It's start. He's starting to heat up, which is we. Yeah, it's do or hey, die. And, and we're Bo's well had a couple good games in a row too. So it's. Uh, I think. I think we saw that bit of the, the lull, the the low on the roller coaster that Dante Bichette was talking about, and that hopefully this team is kind of coming back up to a high, and hopefully the roller coaster is on a big hill because we don't want to come down for a while. Exactly. <laughs> well, we got to get the runs. This team is dead in the water if it doesn't yeah. get the runs. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the big boy, though. Yeah, Maybe let's... the most pleasant surprise of Yeah, the this year. is probably the, the, the biggest surprise of the season. Uh, if not for this guy, I would have said that, that Vladdy's breakout was probably the biggest surprise, the biggest positive surprise anyway. But uh, Alec Manoa, 
Um, he's turned into must must see TV for me. I don't know about you, but every time yep. he starts, I feel like I have to watch. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's a rookie, Patrick. He started 14 Major League Baseball games. He has a total of 74 innings in big leagues and just over 100 innings as a as a pro, um, including 35 and double or in low A and triple uh, A. So the kid's just he's a he's a workhorse, man. Like he looks like he's got stamina to throw a ton of pitches. In those 14 games, he's a 1.1 F WAR player, Fangraphs WAR. The XFIP is at 3.96. His ERA sits at 3.15. The big thing for him, he is he is still walking some batters, but that's he's he's a kid. It's his first season. If he's striking out more than 10 every nine innings, he's not giving up home runs, and he's not afraid to go after anybody. He struck out Miguel Cabrera three times yesterday. Like the kid's got <laughs> balls of steel. Like he does not care who's out there. And the thing that I love about him too is he's not like your stereotypical like robot starting pitcher where he doesn't like he goes back to the dugout and just like sits there in silence. He's like up at the railing. He's still like cheering on his teammates. He gave he put the the home run jacket on Kirk yesterday in, in the middle of his start. Like the dude's just That's like right. he's, he's in the game. He's like a little league pitcher. He doesn't just go into the bench and just sit there. He's there like cheering the boys on. And I just think he's a good a good teammate and a hell of a pitcher. So yeah, I could very, very on that tight soapbox all day. Pitching staff. We've seen, uh, we've seen a very odd trio of Manoa, Ryu, Strips, uh, out and about in on. Uh, I don't know if it's TikToks or whatever it is. <laughs> I think it's or, or Instagram Insta, stories, probably. Insta I don't stories. Know. We've seen that the uh, the pitching staff is tight. Uh, they all seem to feed off one another, uh, and Manoa has. Has has bounced back from tough, bad starts with a lot of uh, maturity, and even the way he presents himself in these uh, in these interviews that he does post game, uh, he looks like a thirty year old. Well, not looks like, but I mean, he carries himself like a thirty year old vet. Yeah. And I find that extremely impressive for a young man who, uh, you know, had to fight his way to get his opportunity this year, and and he's been. He's been tremendous. There's really no other way to say it. He's put himself in the rotation next season and has eliminated the need for the Blue Jays to go out and, and add an extra starting pitcher in free agency. He's he's helped the organization in more ways than one by winning games this year uh, and also putting himself in a position to be in that rotation next year alongside Barrios and, and uh, Hunjin Ryu at this point. So... Um, it's it's nice to see a, a guy like that just come in as a rookie and just like just take over and say, hey, this is my spot. I am not going anywhere. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Uh, I love him. I think he's one of the best starters uh, in baseball right now. At least, uh, you know, he passes the eyeball test. Um, Where does he place in rookie of the year voting? Top three. Yeah. Yeah. If he continues to play as well as he has, though, it could be higher. It could be better. It's hard to say. There's a lot of good rookies this year. Yeah, um, Rosarena still probably has the the uh, the. He lead. probably has he probably has the inside track. But that being said, let's see how the Jays perform here in the final stretches of the season. Could be very interesting. Could be a different discussion in two weeks. Depends yeah. on how the Jays perform. Uh, it, it you know it might all come down to how good Alec Manoa is. I don't know. Very true. Yeah. But um, let's talk about injuries. Obviously, this is the topic that we hate talking yeah, about the let's most. Do a on few <laughs> a few updates. <laughs> we've got we've got updates, so let's talk about them. Yeah. So obviously, we know that Santiago Espinal, our infielder, was placed on the ten day injured list uh, this morning. Uh, right hip flexor strain. He was removed yesterday in the bottom of the third inning. He was trying to he he laid out an infield ground out, but uh, yeah, he'll 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 be no timetable for him. That could be it could be the rest of the season with that kind of uh, injury. That's the same kind of thing I believe that Alejandro Kirk had, and he missed a couple of months. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Gerard Dyson was claimed off waivers from the Royals. Not an injury news, but it is a roster move. He's actually activated for today's game. An OPS sub six hundred Patrick Marsh, yeah. Um, he was he's basically 
here to play late in defense and maybe steal a bag uh, and might not last long as we'll talk about why in a second uh brad hand we talked about earlier but the, he his grandfather passed away a, a few days ago on and on the 27th which was uh, the beginning of the detroit series he was placed in the bereavement list he will be eligible to rejoin the team tomorrow uh, at the earliest so all our best to the hand family hope everything is okay there and uh, hopefully that uh they can mourn appropriately for his his grandfather there. Um, on the 10-day injured list, joining Espinal, we still have George Springer. He is likely to be activated at some point in this Baltimore series. The team is hoping for tomorrow, as was reported by a few Blue Jay insiders, including Mitch Bannon from Sports Illustrated, uh, after today's game when he was talking to Charlie Montoya. He's still day-to-day. He's been taking fly balls in the outfield. He's been doing batting practice. He's been running. He's been doing basically everything. I don't think they'll send him on a rehab assignment because they kind of need him now. Um, and I'll just hope he can get right back into it. Going up against the Baltimore Orioles might be the perfect way to get some batting practice fastballs in anyway. So shout out to Baltimore's terrible pitching staff. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Biggio, he's on the, the list with a grade one UCL sprain in his left elbow. He uh, hurt it, actually, uh, in the field. He landed on his elbow. Um, he was diving for a ball, and he maybe he's going to be shut down from hitting for at least a week. This was updated on the 25th. He's going to be on a week-to-week approach here, and it, it's, it's unlikely that Biggio makes his return during the regular season. The only time he may play with the Blue Jays again this year would be in a, in a postseason role, which, as we've talked about, is looking increasingly unlikely. Uh, Danny Jansen, uh, he's been rehabbing in Buffalo. He's now played in five games down there. He is uh, currently sitting at uh, four for 15, which is a 267 batting average. He's got a home run, four RBIs, has walked twice and struck out t- twice during that time. So um, getting close, most likely. He's played five games. He can play a few more before they'll have to make a decision. With Reese McGuire struggling, it may make the decision easier as uh, at least Jansen can come up and maybe do something more than McGuire's been doing, but we'll see. Ross Stripling on the shelf with a left oblique strain. Patrick Marsh uh, hasn't been an update on him since the 11th, which is 18 days ago. Um, still not throwing, which is when we'll get an update. So it's unlikely to see Stripling in a regular season role either the, again this year. He may just be shut down. Uh, Anthony Castro hasn't been an update on him for over a month now since July 19th he's likely done he had that right uh, on their nerve irritation so uh, we, we saw Dolis miss some time with with some nerve issues as well as uh, Soria so nerves in a pitching hand are not great um, AJ Cole he made a second rehab appearance in AAA uh, this week and he actually tossed a score this inning he was nearing a point where he could be able to return, but he's not on the 40-man roster, so it would be an issue um, there. Julian Merriweather, he is rehabbing. Um, he had actually did throw another inning yesterday for, for Buffalo. Didn't go too well. I believe he was able to get one or two outs, but he gave up a few runs, a couple walks, so he still needs some more time. And that's really like the extent of what we need to talk about besides our boy Big Nate Pearson. He's been pitching in AAA, and Patrick, he's looked looked relatively decent. He's throwing gas. He's got a bit of a beard going on, which is interesting. We haven't seen Nate Pearson with a facial hair in the big leagues before, so maybe Beard Nate is going to channel some some beard strength here and and come back with a vengeance. But he's projected to maybe come back into the Blue Jay bullpen, and it could be really any day now as well, too. So the Jays could really realistically see Springer and Nate Pearson. I'll come back uh, around the same time here. Pearson has pitched in five games since August 14th. His latest one was yesterday where he went one inning, gave up two hits and one run and struck out two batters. Overall, he's pitched five innings. He's given up three hits, two earned runs, one of them via a solo home run, has walked two batters and struck out five across um, across five innings. So reasonably good three scoreless outings three uh, two outings where he's given up a run so I, I think the jays will likely give him one or two more uh, goes through and if those go well then maybe they'll get him called up before the end of the season what do you think about big nate is he coming up sometime soon yep 
I think so. I think he adds a level of stability to that bullpen that we desperately need. And and even then, I wouldn't close the book on him getting a chance to, to open some games. I know we've, we've talked a lot about openers and all that. Uh, we're not really in that. We're not... We're not quite there anymore as a team. Um, We've got starting pitchers now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, here we are, if it comes down to it. Yeah. Obviously, an injury would be disastrous, but um, Nate finally getting some stability after an extremely difficult couple of years for him. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do out of the pen. Maybe he'll get the Aaron Sanchez treatment, and uh, it'll work. I hope but, so. But, uh, I mean, take... You know, take Sacedo out of the pen and add in Nate Pearson. I think it's a pretty significant upgrade overall. Um, not to say it's you know it's going to be a one for one like that. I'm not really sure who's going to get the push down. But well, I think Dyson's roster spot is pretty uh, fluid, <laughs> especially yeah, if probably... Springer comes back, right? Because you'll have Springer, Teoscar, Guriel, Grichuk as the four main outfielders. And then you've also got Josh Palacios, who could go down and likely will, but Dyson has a sub-500 OPS. So, yeah, he's not yep. going to win you Extremely any Extremely bad. Yeah. Even if he was bunting every single time. Even if he was bad. more successful at stealing bases, but even at this point in his career, like he's only got eight stolen bases this year. So, Yeah, I don't understand why... Uh why teams refuse to bunt especially when the shift is on at this point I think uh, Toronto was so desperate to drive in runs why not give it a shot and Dyson might be the guy that you put in that role but maybe not maybe the team has other plans I don't know but certainly do uh, love the idea of George Springer being back uh, as early as tomorrow that makes me feel good Um, we need it Let's talk about the matchups, though. Let's talk matchups. Indeed, we shall. So, going back to Toronto for a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. The first game is going to feature Robbie Ray taking the mound for your Blue Jays against right-hander Chris Ellis from the uh, Baltimore Orioles. This is a guy who's just been given some shots recently to start. I've got to pull up his Fangraphs page here because he's actually got some pretty decent numbers. Um... He's pitched in a grand total of two games so far this season, Patrick, and one of them being starts. Looking up at his game logs, uh, he's pitched for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, interestingly enough, that he when he was with Tampa Bay, he pitched against Baltimore and threw three and threw four scoreless innings. His last time through, he pitched against the Angels of Anaheim, and he only went three innings. Gave up three earned runs on five hits, including a home run. So it was a short outing for him. But it's, it seems as though this guy is just another one of those Baltimore classic fillers who's either going to get shelled or is going to throw up four or five scores in against the Blue Jays because that's just how it goes this year. Yeah, or he could go out there and pitch us, you know, seven <laughs> innings of shutout baseball and we're fucked. Yeah. What happened? In game number two, Baltimore sends lefty Keegan Aiken to the mound against Toronto's ace, Hunjin Ryu, who will be looking to rebound once again. I feel like I'm getting a bit of a, um, uh, what's the, uh, deja vu saying that phrase. He's looking to rebound a few <laughs> times this year. Uh, Aiken has pitched against the Blue Jays once so far this season. And it didn't it didn't go well for him. He went four and a third, gave up six earned runs, including two home runs in that game, which was back in the at the end of June. The Blue Jays did win that game. He'll be looking to uh, do a little bit better. Hunjin Ryu has faced the Orioles twice or a few times so far this season. Mixed results. The Orioles, it should be noted, are actually decent against left-handed pitchers, so we're using three lefties against them. Uh, but it is still Baltimore. They've won 40 games and lost 89. In the finale, uh, everyone's favorite player to face, Matt Harvey, who has been lit up by the Jays on a variety of occasions this year, will take the mound against Steven Matz. Um, Harvey has struggled all year. He's got an ERA over six, uh, a six and 14 win-loss record, which we know I don't really care about. But in his last outing against Toronto, which was back on the 20th of June, he went uh, four and a third, gave up four runs, on uh, July, is that July? Yeah, July seventh, uh, th- six runs and three and two thirds innings. 
So uh, not great. He's gone. The most he's gone against us so far this season is five and two thirds and gave up three runs in that start. So, yeah, it's a pretty favorable pitching matchup for the Toronto Blue Jays. And this uh, this series, obviously, Ray and Matts have been very good the last month. Uh, it's worth knowing that Steven Matz has an ERA lower than Hunjin Ryu at this point. Who would have thought that? Um, certainly not us. Yeah, and certainly not us. And it, it's 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 a series that the Jays need to just they need to win. They need to sweep it if we're being realistic. And they need some of their teams to help them out a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's what I got, Patrick. What do you have on this Baltimore series? Anything you want to add in? Uh, we might we we might be past the point of no return as far as recovery recovering the season. Uh, certainly, it's not something that we want to say right now, yeah. but, um, you know, a sweep uh, to start the week here might be a significant difference between what our conversation looks like Thursday. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> we just need we just need the, the boys to show up. That's just I don't know what else to say. It's a. Uh... It's a, it's a day we need to see George Springer, and we need to see a really another terrific start from Robbie Ray, and, and maybe some offense. Um, the Jays have scored more than five runs only five times in the last twenty games, Patrick. So uh, they're going to need some offense to show up as well too, because we know when the Jays score five runs, that's when they typically start to win games. So um, let's let's see some offense. <laughs> yep. That's where we're at. That's where we are at. And with that being said, we're going to wrap things up there. As Patrick just mentioned, we will be back on Thursday. We're going to record on the off day. We get a little off day recording, which is always nice because we'll let the dust settle on Baltimore. Maybe get some news on injuries, some more call-ups, whoever, maybe Nate Pearson will be coming up for the weekend series. We'll find more out. Uh, by then but until then let's hope that the Jays can take three games from the Orioles get back to 10 games over 500 and, and pray to God that somebody above them helps helps them out <laughs> it's, 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 it's getting to the point where the Jays just need to win focus on what they can control uh, and then hope that the other teams that are playing against the likes of Boston, New York and Oakland can knock them back down to earth a little bit Maybe the Tampa Bay Rays are going to go on like a 20-game losing streak or something. I don't see it happening because Tampa's way no. too good, but you never know. But for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, I'm Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We will see you Thursday night. <laughs>